Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined by my fearless co-host, the managing editor of Horns247.com. They call her friends call her T-Bone because, you know, she played sports with all the the boys growing up. Her older brothers uh, made her play hockey goalie. (laughs) all day long the one and only taylor estes taylor how you doing i'm great i love that you just opened with that (laughs) my brother's visiting me right now too so he's the one that was (laughs) well tell him hey you're a legend for shooting hockey pucks at at taylor when she was like six years old and defenseless i was goldberg goldberg (laughs) goldberg yes (laughs) oh my gosh that's awesome just like super skinny and like blonde hair right totally same but different totally different um all right so it's been a wild and crazy week i'm just going to admit right now that i've been totally worthless this week you roach jeff bobby have done all the lifting because i'm going to michigan to get my 83-year-old dad and move him down to Texas finally. He's finally realized, you know what? I got to get out of the winter and come live in Texas. So we we interviewed Derek Johnson the day after the Super Bowl, and now here we are on Thursday. (laughs) We decided, hey, let's wait till after signing day. We'll get Bobby's take, the Godfather's take on the the signing class. And, And so here we are. But we did come up with a new... Uh, element to the flagship podcast. Of course, we are totally affiliated with horns247.com. If you're not a member there, what are you thinking? Grab an annual membership so that you get VIP access to every team site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And this week, this is Taylor's brilliant idea (laughs) uh, to pose questions to our Horns 24-7 community. So Taylor, great job. Hey, you know what? We got to always make sure that we're doing the right things, right? So we're here for the people. So right. we're here for the people. And we're just going to get right into it because, uh, you know, we want to, we want to, we want you to be heard and we want your questions to be answered. So uh, let's start off here with Skyetti. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. S C H Y E T T I. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you, whoever, person. Yeah. Um, but who are thank some you for players? being a member? For, thank, right, thank you for being a member. member. There okay. you go. That's the first way. <laughs> thank you for being a member and for uh, posting a question. Who are some players you and maybe the coaching staff want to see make a big jump in development this spring? Taylor, you want to go first? Um, I'll let you go first. I want to hear okay. what you have to say. All right. Well, for me, obviously. I'm looking at receiver uh, because you lose Devin Duvernay, who had an unbelievable year, a top three finish in receptions nationally with over 100 receptions, 1,000 yards receiving. Seemed like every B 
big play Texas needed. He came through, right. and he was in the slot. Blazing speed. He's tough to bring down. He's gone. He's That's an impact player. Of course, we thought losing Lil Jordan Humphrey uh, might be a real problem, and in steps Devin DuVernay. So when you look at the receiver position, Colin Johnson moving on, and you know likely Brennan Eagles will move over to the X where Colin Johnson was. And Jake Smith moves into the slot. And each of those guys, Taylor, had six touchdown receptions this past year. Mm-hmm. So it's, they've, I mean, they've got it. They've put it in the books. They've been in, in the painted area. They, I mean, those are, those are more touchdowns than Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay came into this past season with from the previous year. So, there's a lot to be hopeful about, but, um, you know, they just haven't had to do it week in and week out for Brennan Eagles at the X position. And then for Jake Smith, you know, having to do it every, every day, every game, play in and play out like Devin Duvernay did. So those are two guys I'm really looking to, to take a big step up this spring and Joshua Moore, the enigma who has been suspended but he's been working with the the football team. He worked with them all last season on scout team. I I hear he's he's been great. They are absolutely expecting him to be in the mix. He was suspended because of a a gun charge. It's a year suspension that you know to it's significant. Tom Herman, it's one of his cardinal rules. Uh, no you know no drugs, no guns. Be respectful to women. These are all the urban. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Urban Meyer uh, rules that he's passed down to people like Charlie Strong and and Tom Herman. So, and then obviously you got the young guns like Marcus Washington and Kennedy Lewis. So really, that whole receiver position is a is a group that I'm looking to take a big step this spring. Yeah, How about you, Taylor. I, I think that's fair. You know, I definitely think that at you know if I, if I'm going to pick players, you know, who need to take that next step as Skyetti, I'm, I'm sorry if we're butchering this. You said who are some players. So I'm going to go with a couple, but I'm going to go one on offense and defense. And the one that I'm kind of looking at offense is Malcolm Epps. You know, I've covered Malcolm Epps for a really long time. Um, I covered him like basically starting his sophomore year when I was doing more recruiting coverage. And I just want to see him take that next step and kind of come into his own as the big bodied receiver. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's been, I mean, I'm not trying to bash him, but I feel like he's been questionable at best at times. And with what he presents as just, you know, a physical, you know, specimen, I feel like he is so far behind of where he needs to be. I feel like he has to absolutely take that, that next step next year. Otherwise he's going to be taken over. Cause as you mentioned, Chip, you know, there's, there is a lot of talent at receiver. Um, and, there, you know, with Tom Herman's offense, the slot receiver is always going to be the key guy. So next year, I really do, or in 2020, I do feel like Jake Smith is probably poised to be that guy that's going to be the breakout player, just like how Devin DuVernay was, just like how Lil Jordan Humphrey was. I do feel like that is just kind of how this runs. I feel like with Tom Herman's offense, you know, even though he's hired new offense coordinators, it's still going to be the type of offense that Texas has run. So I do think that that slot role is going to be super impactful. 
but I want to see Malcolm X take that next step, you know, and whether it's at receiver, whether it's at tight end, I don't know how they're going to use him moving forward. Um, I just don't think he has done enough at this point. Um, you know, I mean, you Chip, like, remember last, you know, spring, everyone was talking about, oh, Malcolm Epps, Malcolm Epps, Malcolm Epps, he's so good. He's, you know, has the best hands, right. whatever it may be. But he, when have we ever seen that on the field? We haven't. Right. In fact, his body language was troublesome to me. Yes. Yes. It, 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 he doesn't carry himself with energy and confidence. He has this kind of hangdog um, body language that to me is like, oh, my gosh, if he was at Alabama, Nick Saban would like just take him to the woodshed, I think. But exactly. Totally. It, yeah, I agree with you. I agree and, with you. And he's always been that way. Like ever since I saw him as a recruit. The first time I ever saw him, my first thought was, he's not running full speed, right? Like, this is not his full speed. And it was his full speed. And it was during, like, a seven-on-seven type of thing where I'm like, you literally have, like, no press cover. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not, like, it's not, um, there's not a ton of, like, you know, um, conflict, anything like that. Like, it was just him trying to run a route. And it looked like he was lazy. And so, like, I'm just going to be real. Like, that's exactly what I felt like. I feel like when I see Malcolm Epps on the field, he looks lazy. And so he's got to make that next step because Texas needs a big body. Like, he has the measurables of Colin Johnson. You know, he has. And Colin Johnson clearly was a difference maker when he was healthy. And so I think Malcolm Epps, if he wants to kind of play into that role or if they want to move him tight end, whatever it may be, he's got to take that next step. On defense... I got to go with uh, Ayodele a day away. Like that's the only person right now that's on my mind because of how limited Texas is at linebacker right now. Um, I mean, I know Juwan Mitchell, you know, he went into the transfer portal. He's pulled his name out of it. I don't necessarily think that this is the end of that situation just because of what we're hearing behind the scenes and some of the stuff we can't share, but it hasn't been a um, paradise type of situation. I would say for Juwan Mitchell and Tom Herman has him on kind of his, you know, his doo-doo list. I would say, <laughs> you know, he's, he's gone out doghouse up and yeah. down as it was described to me. I think exactly. I wrote in the eyes of Texas last week is his, his one year at Texas has been very up and down. Yes, exactly. And I think that there are some things I've gone on behind the scenes with Juwan Mitchell that I don't necessarily would, um, at this point, blame him if he wanted to transfer. Um, I would think I, I feel safe saying that, you know, like I think that would be the best thing to say. But I think that because of the the lack of consistency, the lack of type of like playmakers that are currently available, uh, a day away has to step up. I mean, he this is we're talking about some guy that was a high four star prospect. And one of the, you know, like a national type of player that came into Texas was supposed to make an immediate impact, the new red shirts. And then in his red shirt freshman season, he wasn't necessarily bad or anything like that. But like he does not, he has not, in my opinion, kind of like played up to the standard of what people expected of him. And so maybe the expectations were too high. I don't know. But if I'm in his shoes, if people are thinking, oh, maybe the expectations were too high, I'd be like, hell no. You know what I mean? Right. Like, let's let's prove these people wrong that are saying this. So I would say a day away is probably the biggest one um, in addition to Malcolm. And I, 
I agree with you, and I agree with you from this standpoint. I I I ever I'm on the record a million times saying I did not like Todd Orlando playing his defensive ends in the four eye as a way to push running plays to the outside, which to me was a signal to my linebackers. I don't trust you. I don't have faith in you. Mm-hmm. Chris Ash is not going to play that way. He's going to play. I mean, he'll be multiple. Everyone needs to realize there's going to be a lot of four man front, but there's going to be a lot of three man front too, but he's not going to play his ends in the four eye. They're going to be outside the offensive tackle in a five technique or a seven. And that means the running plays are coming through the A, a gap, the B gap, and Delia Dayway is going to get a chance to really show what he's got. Um, Juwan Mitchell as well, Marcus Tillman coming off the knee injury, so and David Benda coming off suspension. So I agree with you. I think I think Delia Dayway is is the guy. Um, he's he's the the one that has the most history here, and they're not they're not deep at that position. Obviously, the, the Gabriel Floyd. Uh, spinal stenosis diagnosis was a crusher mm-hmm. because he really was an immediate impact guy. I mean, he was an early enrollee who had a body that was like three years in a college program. So right. that uh, that one really hurt. I, I agree with you. That's a that's a good call. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with like even just in general with linebacker position, like somebody has to step up. Right, Chip? Like they have to because. Last year, in my opinion, the reason why, and obviously injuries were a huge reason, like in the secondary, but the reason why that the defense struggled was because who who played linebacker? I'll wait. Let's let's figure out who was playing. I mean, a freaking walk on in the bowl right. game Court started. Jaquist. You know, Fort like, Jake was. Hey, that dude, man, against running teams like K State and Utah, that guy's gonna be a a thumper. Right. And that's great. Like, I, you know, it's a great story. But like, if you're at the University of Texas, you don't want to rely on a walk on being like your guy in a bowl game. That right. just shows, in my opinion, like how bad the linebacker position is right now. And it's got to it's got to improve. Right. They, they definitely need athleticism and and guys who can. And, and look, Everyone's like, do you think they'll spin down B.J. Foster or DeMarvin Overshawn to linebacker? They've already played the Joker linebacker position. Right. They're yeah. they're fine. They're they're good. If if yeah. and look, Ash is probably going to play nickel, which means B.J. Foster could be the nickel. DeMarvin Overshawn is the Joker, and they might be on the field at the same time. Probably will, mm-hmm. and that's a okay. I mean, those guys uh, together. That's whew, that's a lot yeah. of speed. Yes, exactly. So. You know, I'm uh so with Texas, they just wrapped up their 2020 recruiting class. Uh, added an addition of Kelvante Dixon, a four-star athlete out of Carthage, uh, Texas, who is also the brother of uh, Keontae Ingram. And then Texas also added five-star defensive lineman Alfred Collins on signing day, which was Wednesday. So we're recording on Thursday right now. But um, you know, there's a lot of kind of recruiting information going down right now. So let's bring in Bobby Bobby Burton, our publisher of Horns 24-7, and get Chip and Bobby's take. The godfather, Bobby Burton, who, of course, I think of whenever there's a signing day, now that we have two. (laughs) I mean, it's it's signing day in December, right, Bobby? And then we got signing day part deux in February. How do you look at it now? Because you've, you know, you helped shape this entire industry. 
Well, I would say that the sequel doesn't match the original. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I think that uh, splitting it into two like this reduced some of the anxiety and angst and all of that, uh, but it's also reduced some of the anticipation and fanfare. Um, and maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it certainly makes it uh, a little less impactful overall. Uh, I always thought it was interesting when you had 20-something signatures that had to come in on the same day. Invariably, one or two would uh, be upside down on that. So uh, long story short, it's just it's just one of those things that we have to watch for and, and change and adapt to as, as uh, recruiting continues to, to move forward. Well, let's uh, let's get right to it. The uh, the recruiting class is in for 2020, and the coaching staff is pretty much complete. We've reported that uh, Mark Hagan of Indiana, defensive co-defensive coordinator, defensive line coach at Indiana, will be the the final piece of the puzzle. The seventh new position coach added to Tom Herman's staff, including both coordinators. Uh, Mike Yersich, the offensive coordinator, Chris Ash, the defensive coordinator. So, Bobby, when you look at three straight uh, top ten recruiting classes and this new coaching staff, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this question, but I want you to think for a second: is is this still a year where Texas, with what they have coming back, uh, should be contending for the Big Twelve title? Now, while you think about that. Let me get your thoughts on this rec- latest recruiting class, uh, the what the number ninth class, number nine class in the the twenty four seven composite team rankings. Your thoughts on where Texas hit and where they missed? Yeah, I think that uh, Texas certainly hit at quarterback, uh, and I, I mentioned this in an article I wrote for the site today. I I feel like Texas uh, sometimes, and Texas has gotten caught up in this in the past with guys like Gerard Hurd and Tyrone Swoops. They've taken these athletic developmental quarterback prospects that are highly athletic and highly, um, uh, you know, big big risk but big reward potentially, and and they haven't necessarily panned out other than with Vince Young, who I, I think was a better quarterback than either of those in high school even. But my point being instead of just taking one like a Roshan, like they did last year with Roshan Johnson, they took two. And that second one is Hudson card. And the, the other one that we're talking about that has such a big upside, I think is, is Jaquindon Jackson. And so rather than get um, really uh, in, into a pickle, they, they took two QBs and I think it allows them to, to develop. And I think that, that card actually be ready to play for, you know, something happens with with Sam Ellinger and then happens with uh, uh, with uh, uh, Casey, Casey Thompson, Thompson. And, and Rashawn Johnson doesn't doesn't uh, really push back to, to quarterback, which I, I find unlikely at this point. But my, I, I think they really did that well, uh, as well as you could, given the circumstances. I thought they did tremendous uh, at running back with the, with the commitment of, uh, and signing of, uh, B. John Robinson, you couldn't ask for better. And then I, I think they did pretty well at defensive line. I thought, uh, both, uh, uh, both, uh, defensive line are the two bigger defensive line prospects. Alf Vernon Collins, Broughton, Vernon and Alf, yeah. Both of those guys, Chip are legitimate, uh, players in my opinion. And 
long-term starters over over their career for the Longhorns. In the secondary, uh, I liked uh, Keaton Crawford and Xavier Alford. Uh, one is a corner, the only corner Texas took, which was a disappointment in my my view because in the Big 12, as you know, I think you got to take two or three corners a year because you, you ultimately are going to have to play one of them at nickel. And so only taking one corner means that Texas needs to – needs to do some stuff next year. So uh, address it next year. And then, obviously, I like uh, Prince Dorba as well, the the really athletic linebacker slash defensive end out of uh, Highland Park that, that uh, really was the defensive force for that Highland Park defense for three years. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on all those points. And you've got to, you've got to land defensive linemen. I mean, I'll never forget. Um, you know, walking uh, out of the, the Home Depot College Football Awards at, in Orlando with, with Guy Morris, and he said, Chip, I've got to find some deep defensive tackles. i got to find them. Juco, i got to find them somewhere, or I'm going to get fired. And we just talked the whole walk of the boardwalk back to the hotel about how critical those defensive tackles are and how hard they are to find the guys with the motor and and I think Texas hit on that, as you said, and I thought they hit on it last year. I mean, you look at Tavondre Sweat, Moro, Jomo, Keandre Coburn uh, from a couple years ago. That's fantastic. And then on the offensive line, they, they find some guys that can develop together. And, and then I want to get back to, because um, you and I have talked about this, cornerback was certainly one area where they had guys. They had, they had Josh Eaton. They had... Um, you know, Ethan Pouncey, those two decommitted and, and Josh Eaton signs with Oklahoma. How much did you like Josh Eaton? I mean, a six, two corner certainly fit the bill of what, yeah, I, I think Josh Eaton is, is actually more of a safety. Um, so I, I, that I didn't, I wasn't extremely high on Josh Eaton coming out and that's when he was committed to Texas and after he was committed to Texas. Um, I liked some other guys in state that, that had similar bills like Ryan Watts that ended up at Ohio State uh, better. Uh, Pouncey is another interesting case. He actually was going to enroll at Texas early and immediately undergo surgery. So he was at least a year out from, from uh, having an impact, too. I, look, I mean, I, I'm not – I think that part of the problem was both secondary coaches, Craig Niver and – and uh, Jason Washington, probably around late October, uh, late October, early November, knew they or suspected highly that they weren't going to be around uh, this year, this coming year. And it would have been disingenuous. I'm not I'm not taking them to task because they can't go out and recruit new people in, in good conscious, no conscience, knowing that they're not going to be there. Um, in two months, personally, yeah. uh, keeping contact with guys that have already committed to Texas or have been previously interested. So a guy like Ennis Rakestraw that Texas lost uh, earlier this week at Duncanville, they couldn't really go back in on him with full face and credit until the new coaches got hired. And that delay might have been enough to cause him uh, Rakestraw to end up picking Mizzou over over uh, Texas and Bama. So. I think that part of it is the the situation they found themselves in, and I don't necessarily fault anybody for it. 
Uh, I just think it, it is the way it is. Yeah. Um, and at receiver, um, you know, you Calvante uh, Dixon, uh, Keontae Ingram's younger brother is the, I guess, the speed guy or, or a guy they look to play in the slot or, I mean, who knows where he's going to fit best at this point. But uh, and then Troy O'Meary, the the giant, the six foot six possession possession guy. Uh, how do you feel like they did? Because there's there's they need depth at receiver. Yeah, they do, and they need early depth, right? And and so I think that I would question whether or not they got it. Um, and I think that I look, there is no doubt that Kelvante Dixon is a deep threat. He ran a ten seven one one hundred meter, and that's a year after he had ankle surgery. So he's going to be fast enough, right? Uh, I actually think he could play outside. Um, more like a, I, I give you an example. I, I see him more as a Tylen Wallace type as opposed to a slot guy. Yep. Does that make sense to you? Yep. And then uh, Dejon, John, John Harrison, the young man out of Hutto, is a slot guy. I think he's a true slot slash return guy. So um, Omir, I don't know if he's 6'6", but he's, he's certainly got the that level of wingspan, right? I mean, he... He may be six four ish, six six five, I guess, but his wingspan is is that of a much taller person. So, um, his his issue, uh, in my opinion, has been able to his ability to be quick enough to get off press coverage. Um, not necessarily strength, although I'm sure they're working on that. It's been more his quickness. And so, if it translates, and it translated enough for Colin Johnson, right? Um, maybe not ideal all the times, but it translated enough, but it hasn't translated enough for Malcolm Epps in my opinion, by comparison. So, um, that's a, that's a gray line that is hard to, to distinguish between until you actually see them get going in practice and how they react. And, and when, when the ball's in play, when they are being guarded by similarly, situated athletes um that sort of thing i i just don't know that there's a definite answer yet on on the receiver group whether we want it or not all right let me come back to the initial question bobby now that the recruiting class third straight top 10 recruiting class is in and the the coaching staff is is in is this a year where texas should contend for the big 12 title well, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, they should have contended for it this past year. Um, uh, I, I think that this past year was a combo of two things. One, uh, a lack of a, a, a lack on defense. It was the injuries and a lack of a pass rush and Todd Orlando adapting his scheme until it was just too late to, to matter. Okay, that was the defensive problem. On offense, I think it was just absolute. I think it was just poorly managed, poorly coached, uh, dysfunctional uh, from about midseason on, probably from OU game on, actually. So say what you want, or except for the, the bowl game. Uh, I, I think it was just poor. Right? And I guess Kansas, right? That My point being, um, those two factors stopped Texas from competing in the Big 12, not personnel, which is what recruiting is about. Um, going further on that in that way, I do see 
other teams kind of strong this coming year when it comes to uh, chances in the Big 12. Oklahoma State in particular should be loaded for bear. I mean, they're going to have, they on paper should have their best team since they played, uh, was it Stanford and was it the Sugar Bowl or I can't remember which when they played them. Right, 2011. Like, yeah, that should, this should be Mike Gundy's best team. Okay. Will it be? I'm not sure, but he has got all but, I think, one starter back on defense, all but two or three starters back on offense. I mean, I, I just think they're going to be really good. So Texas doesn't have, isn't quite that loaded. I mean, it doesn't quite return that as many people, uh, but they should be more talented in certain spots, especially on long uh, both lines. So, you know, Oklahoma State's in there. Then you have a guy like Brock Purdy at, at Iowa State that's going to be a thorn in everybody's side because he's just a good quarterback. And Matt Campbell just turned down overtures from Michigan State, by, way, by the way, the, Ohio St- uh, the Iowa State coach. Yep. And so you've got them hanging around with a, a, a nice quarterback. Um, uh, you know, OU is always OU, and you can say what you want about them losing this guy or that guy, but um, my guess is that, it, you know, Lincoln Riley's had three different quarterbacks in three different years, and they've all done pretty good. So um, they're not going to be uh, down this year, in my opinion. They're, if anything, I think they may be getting bet- ready to be a little better on defense um, because I think they'll have a year in the system and a, and a greater understanding of what they're trying to do, especially on the back end. Uh, and C.D. Lamb's really good, but, you know, I think that – OU has guys that that can take that ball. And so I I look at it, and it's four or five teams. Kansas State's probably in there, too. Yeah, I I think Baylor's set for a big drop. Uh, Just way too many uh, upperclassmen departures for them, especially on on defense and on offense. I mean, Denzel Mims and Jamichael Hasty and uh, the the couple of offensive linemen. And then on defense, you have – the entire defensive front three, and you have Blake Lynch and uh, the uh, linebacker. I can't remember his name right now, but they, they're they're they just lost so much production, um, and they did not recruit well that first year that Rule got there, in my opinion. So, given that they're they're probably a year to two years away from being back in the middle of a a Big Twelve type scenario, although I do like their young quarterback, Jacob Zeno. So we'll have to wait and see how how it plays out there. Well, Bobby, anything else? I mean, I got to ask you about our good friend, Tim Brewster, going to Florida. (laughs) But uh, anything else on Texas before we move to to Brew? No, I mean, I I think that I do like the staff that Tom Herman put together. Um, I don't know um, if I agree with every single hire, but I think there was a commonality to it. Um, and that commonality was intelligent, good football coaches. If I had to say that what they went after, um, he went after pretty strong football coaches first and foremost, uh, with a couple of recruiters potentially sprinkled in here and there. So we'll see how it pans out for him. Well, awesome stuff. There he is, the godfather, Bobby Barton. Bobby, thanks as always for joining us on the flagship podcast. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. You have a good one, man. All right. There he is. Bobby Burton. 
and the flagship podcast rolls on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Joined now on the flagship podcast by, I mean, the man. He won the Buckus Award. He won the Nagurski Award. Uh, Helped shape the Texas Longhorns into that uh, 2005 National Championship team, even though he left after beating Michigan in the Rose Bowl in the 2004 season. Uh, He is now the Kansas City Chiefs all-time leading tackler, and I don't know if he's recovered yet from uh, (laughs) Super Bowl 54, but Derek Johnson joining us now. DJ, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm still uh, in the in the days from uh, last night game, man. I'm 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 in awe right now. Yeah, I mean, you've been going to Kansas City and watching your Chiefs, um, you know, in these playoffs, and and we talked a little last week, and you said, you know, I'm just I'm so caught up in it, and you know, that's my city, that's my that's my team, and and so, you know, take us through what it's like. Being there in you know in that game in that atmosphere, being down ten and then coming back and winning this thing. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the tremendous uh, confidence that uh, Andy Reid brings to the to the organization and to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, um, they didn't blink at all. I mean, I mean it's probably what seven eight minutes left and they were down twenty to ten. I mean that's that's kind of you looking. You're looking at a, a a bad situation right there. It's you know things are not in your favor at that point. But I tell you what, uh, Patrick Mahomes is 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 <laughs> probably going to be one of the best quarterbacks ever, and we're just seeing history in the making. And for him to be the youngest quarterback um, or youngest MVP uh, in the Super Bowl, that's this is this is pretty exciting time. Yeah, and you're there in Miami with Jamal Charles, and here you all are. You know, you're the all-time leading tackler in Chiefs history. Jamal is the all-time leading rusher in Chiefs history. Uh, just take us through the buildup and, and what y'all were doing in Miami. How nervous were you going into the game? And then take us through game day. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, it, 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 was, it, it was an awesome time just to, just to be around the guys and be around the team. Um, this past weekend and the fans, I mean, everybody's going crazy down in, in, in Miami. We actually, um, I actually didn't stay for the actual game. So I actually came back cause I wanted to watch it. Uh, uh, I got back just in time to watch it in my domain just cause I, it was going to be a lot of craziness oh, going yeah. on. So 
I didn't want to do that, but uh, Jamal did go to the game, so um, I talked to him for a little bit. He just he just expressed uh, how awesome it was. The atmosphere was so crazy. I was kind of jealous that I that I didn't stay, but I tell you what, we had a great time this this past weekend, just uh, fellowshipping together, rem- rem- reminiscing on the times we had uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, and 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 even though it's a bittersweet moment, it's it's. It's more sweet for us just because we know what we brought to the table and uh, we know what the guys, the ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl and they are the last team standing. And man, my hat's off. Andy Reid is, is probably the guy I'm even most, most proud of right now. Well, talk about that. Talk about Derek Johnson, uh, Buckus Award winner, Nagurski Award winner at Texas, all-time leading tackler in Chiefs history. Um, talk about Andy Reid. I mean, everybody loves the guy. I haven't heard anyone say that they don't love the guy. What is it about him, Derek, as a coach? How does he relate to players? What is it about him that that connects so much with with the guys in the locker room? Well, he, he lets us be ourselves. He lets us be ourselves. At the same time, uh, we got to have accountability and responsibility to the, to our teammates on and off the field. Being able to handle the little little responsibilities that we have and uh, big things that come to us. And, and he's just, everybody likes him because he's a less, just a likable guy. You know, he's, he, he's a guy that's going to respect everybody, but his, his, his level of confidence and standard is very, very high. And, 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 and it's very clear with him. It's no gray area with uh, Andy Reed and um, man, my hat's off to him. He's been, he's been at it for a while. And um, um, this was, like you say, this one, this one is, this for Andy when when he gets on a guy um how does he get on a guy um you know because everybody sees him as just this happy-go-lucky guy they probably don't see the fire but we know every redhead has some fire to him (laughs) he definitely has a lot of fire to him I tell you what he doesn't he doesn't yell much uh, um because he's very clear on what he wants so uh, um, he'll get on us here and there um, uh, about uh, coaching us up here and there or, or if he sees something wrong. But when Andy Reid yells, you know, OK, let me be quiet. Something's up like something <laughs> is really up. The whole team, he gets the whole team attention if he raises his voice. He doesn't do it much uh, because he doesn't have to. It's, you know, big, big, big red. He, he when he walks in the room you know uh his presence is in that room and, and and in that coaching staff and i'm just we're, we're proud of him man that's that that smile on uh andy doesn't doesn't uh, um laugh and and joke and do all that a- as much you, you always see that stone kind of face on him but i tell you what yesterday after the game it was a it, it was a special moment you could just tell he was he was just overjoyed well and patrick mahomes talked after the game about how Things were not going well, obviously. I mean, Mahomes had two interceptions and Teran Matthews yelling at the sideline. And and then Mahomes goes out and throws another, throws his second interception. But after the game, Patrick Mahomes said that Reed just told him, hey, just keep firing, just keep firing and never wavered. Just constantly, you know, trying to feed that confidence into into Patrick Mahomes. So just talk about that mentality from Andy Reid. He didn't he didn't tighten up in the moment. I mean, everybody's talking about how he needed the Super Bowl to solidify his incredible resume, but he yeah. went for it on fourth down twice and kept telling Patrick Mahomes, "Hey, keep firing. We're going to get there." 
yeah, that that's just the confidence that he uh, that he has. That's the special part of Andy Reid, his confidence in what he what he needs to get done. He he he's always had it. It's a natural thing for him. Um, he's worked for it. He deserved it. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, he, he I would I, I, I would believe in Pat Pat Mahomes too. I mean, he he definitely uh, was like, hey, uh, um, uh, just keep firing away, uh, never blink, never waver. Because he knew uh, something special was on the horizon, and uh, I, I, regardless of this game or not, um, winning the Super Bowl for Andy, I thought I think he would probably be in the Hall of Fame even before this. But um, um, this this kind of just you know makes it uh, first ballot. What was it like? What was your relationship like with him? Because obviously you spent 13 years in Kansas City, and and they let you go, and you went to Oakland. And obviously, you never wanted to leave Kansas City. What was that conversation like between you two? You know, uh, he, he's always made sure the business never never got in in, in front of um, the player and coach relationship. Um, business is business, and uh, I understood that at that time that uh, they couldn't, you know, sign me back, uh, or they wanted to go young, and they didn't want to. They wouldn't. They didn't want to. Um, you know, sign me back at that t- present time. But at the same time, I had, I had 13 years there. So they, 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 they've been doing it for a long time. So I can't, I can't, I can't say I was, I was mad about it. I understood. Of course, I'm a, I'm a chief at heart and I wanted to be there for, you know, for as long as they let me. Uh, but Andy's a guy that just, you know, he, he, that never got in the way of our relationship. I mean, we text back and forth throughout the season and uh, he, he's just a he's just a guy, just a likable guy, man. He He's that he's that good. I mean, everybody hypes him up, but he, he, he is definitely uh, well um, advertised. You had one year in Kansas City with with Patrick Mahomes, right? And yes. he was he was behind Alex Smith. What did you see in that time? Because you're in practice every day, what what did you see in Mahomes uh, during that season that maybe gave you an indication he could do this? Oh man, um, well, being a scouting quarterback, you throw a lot of interceptions, and I tell you what, he wasn't throwing he wasn't throwing a lot of interceptions, and he was <laughs> he was kind of uh, uh, I mean we we're getting fussed at out there because because he was making throws. And, you know, at times we thought he was playing around because he would no look pass and he would go throw he would roll out right and throw across his body to the left. And we're like, man, we, we know the quarterback we're playing that, you know, they don't do this. So he was he was a guy that um, that 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 tremendous talent, of course. Um, we we didn't you know put him on the level he was right now just because we knew he potentially he can do it, but he's just doing some unbelievable stuff that you just can't even write down. I mean, it's it's a it's 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 pretty awesome to see uh, how historic um, um, uh, he's being out there every year. I mean, it's his second year starting, and I mean, he's he's I mean, he's got some Hall of Fame records already. Um, you're, you know, you obviously 13 years in Kansas City. And 50 years, 5-0, uh, since the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. Of course, they won that last one, Super Bowl four. But those fans show up no matter what. They're always considered the loudest in the NFL. What is it about Chiefs Kingdom? Why is, why is that so special? Oh, man. Um, I can say a lot about that. They, they're, they're, they're very old school. Um, it, it's the Midwest. You know, Missouri is the show me state. 
Uh, I didn't even know Kansas City was in Missouri when I first <laughs> when I first <laughs> when I first got there. But I tell you what, I've learned a lot about the fans. They're so loyal. I've been I've been through the ups and downs, uh, um, through the transition through the transition through different players, different GMs, different coaches, and I've I've been through the thick and thin, and uh, I've I've came out on top. But I tell you what, uh, uh, Kansas City fans deserve this. This is going. This is this is this is going to mark them down for history. I mean, Andy Reid and his uh, his legacy, and uh, um, Pat Mahomes, Kelsey, just all these guys there, uh, Matthews, all these guys there right now. This is this is a special moment. I mean, I, I've had my time there. Of course, I fell short of of, of, of getting the Super Bowl. But I tell you what, uh, I'm proud of them, man. I'm just. This is what we work for, man. As a football player, you this is all what you work for. This is this is it, and for you to have a chance to uh, to uh, to to have it in your hands and, and, and capture it, they did it last night. All right, so everyone wants to know what's up with Derek Johnson. What uh, what what's next for Derek Johnson? Oh man, um, right now I'm, I'm just taking care of kids. I'm working on my. Um, my uh, my zone defense. I got I got five <laughs> boys, so I mean God I'm, bless I'm, you. I'm I'm pretty good at that right now. But I tell you what, um, I'm going back to school. I'm finishing my degree right now, so I'll be I'll be graduating in May. Uh, I'm very proud of that. My mom always harped on that, so always reminded me to get that uh, after football. So after I get that, I mean I I, I may do uh some, you know maybe some Longhorn Network or some something at at, at UT, but I definitely want to stay here in Austin. Uh, maybe maybe get on a channel and, and and talk some football. I'm a football head, of course. I want to be a a coach, but uh, with with five boys, I I can't do that right now. So I'll I'll just be um, doing some analysis, maybe on TV or some, doing something uh, with UT. That'd be that'd be a cool gig for me. How's your mom doing? She's doing great. She's been a school teacher for over 45 years, and and she still teaches. She does, you know, she didn't. She, she retired and she had to go back. So she's a workaholic. And uh, I, I, I even call her now and when my kids uh, um, um, have some kind of math homework or some kind of um, um, special techniques that I need to do um, to make them remember uh, uh, what what to do on the math. I call my mom. She's like, oh, yeah, just do this, this and this. I'm like, all right, cool. We got it. Hey, that's the best. Because how many how many siblings do you have, Derek? I got two older brothers and an older sister, so I'm the baby of the family. Okay. All right. So you, you're smart, man. Lean on mom. <laughs> that, you always got to lean on mom when it, when it comes down to it. Well, yep. Derek, you are the best for jumping on with us uh, the day after the Super Bowl. I'm sure it was a, an incredible night. Did you sleep at all last night or were you just – I did I did not. I was up, man. I'm like before the game when they were singing the National Anthem, I'm like – I'm up here getting all nervous. Like I'm, I got butterflies. Like I mean, I'm looking. I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm not playing right now. <laughs> hey, it 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 doesn't uh, it doesn't wear off, right? I mean, yeah, it's in your yeah. blood. Yeah, that's right. Well, listen, you're the best, and I'm excited that uh, first of all, congratulations on on finishing up your degree, and I'm excited to hear that maybe you'll be around because we're going to need your perspective on on these texas longhorns you know <laughs> two new hey, I'm, two new coordinators I'm, i know right i'm always here always here all right derek you're the best thanks for jumping on the uh, flagship podcast with us all right thanks all right there he is derek johnson uh fresh from the super bowl win by the chiefs of course he is the all-time leading tackler for the kansas city chiefs and jamal charles the all-time leading rusher 
unbelievable stuff. And, of course, Jamal Charles replaced Priest Holmes, former Longhorn Priest Holmes, as the Kansas City Chiefs' all-time leading rusher. So the Chiefs and the Longhorns have a great relationship. Kansas City loves them. Some Longhorns. And the flagship podcast rolls on. Good stuff there with both Bobby Burton and Derek Johnson. Uh, you can hear how excited Derek Johnson was for the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl this past weekend. But Chip, so let's uh, get back to let's get back to our questions here. Um, one of our valued Horns twenty four seven members, and I feel like this is a very appropriate question for you. Cosmo Horn is asking, "What's up with FM one of three point one? Y'all lost the signal." <laughs> so, Chip, as everyone, if anybody doesn't know, he's on the air every uh, weekday, what six to nine on thirteen hundred AM, AM thirteen hundred The Zone with Mike Harge um, doing a live radio show. So they went to FM also with one of three one, but apparently something may have happened, Chip. I think you got to set. Yeah. Record. Great question, Cosmo Horn. And I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, uh, we've, we've definitely had some technical issues with one Oh three one and they've had to make a lot of adjustments to that signal. And I think we're going to get a, a really good uh outcome here but it's been frustrating and look i've been in radio i've been fired from radio four or five times and so hey i've been fired too so that's true taylor's taylor's been right there she's got she's got battle scars from (laughs) sports talk radio and 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 iheart owns our station so i'm gonna try and do right by iheart here but just uh, bear with us. Patience, a little more patience, because I think we're going to get a really good outcome. Uh, it's going to be better than it was before. We're just uh, we're just having to work through these technical issues. It's frustrating because I can't even tell you exactly when it's going to be resolved. So um, just hang in there with us. Of course, the app you can listen on the iHeartRadio app, AM thirteen hundred The Zone or one zero three one FM The Zone. Either app. We'll take you and just you know plug a USB cord into your car, a Bluetooth speaker, listen to us all morning. You know that's the best signal, period. But um, there you go. All right, um, Taylor's idea, great idea to take questions from our incredible members at Horns247.com. And if you're not a member, I mean, come on, get uh, get in there, get an annual membership so that you're getting VIP access to every team site in the uh, 24-7 Sports Network. But um, we picked, well, you know, we'll pick two or three questions every week. They're all good questions, and I, heck, I might throw them in my mailbag, you know what I'm saying? But um, <laughs> I'm just going with, I'm going to pronounce this R 46 because it's Pacon, like, spelled like bacon with a P, and then the letter R, and then 46. So R 46 wants to know, What's the buzz heading into spring on who is going to make up right guard and right tackle? Now, that's that's Pekinar has been reading because uh, I've I've noted already that Junior Angelau probably going to move from right guard to left guard. So you'll have Cosme at left ta- Sam Cosme at left tackle, Junior Angelau at left guard, uh, Derek Kerstetter at center, and then we're looking for. Uh, the right side of the offensive line. And I think it, at guard, keep an eye on – I'm going to give you two scenarios here. 
uh, at guard. Keep an eye on Tope Amade because he's been in the program. He's a behemoth. Doesn't move as well as some of the other guards, but once he gets his hands on you and in the running game, he's he's a load. Um, but Willie Tyler is another name to keep an eye on because Willie came in as a Juco transfer, and he is a freak athletically. He's He's six six. He's, um, you know, he's well over three hundred pounds. But they love three forty. Six seven three forty is what. Yeah, I mean, it, but he can move, and he's got those long arms, and and they think he is just like this unbelievable raw uh, freak that they might be able to mold into something special. So this is a big spring for Willie Tyler uh, to to show this coaching staff, Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to get in there and, uh, command a a starting position because he does appear to have the athleticism in addition to the strength that maybe Tope Amade in terms of the, the movement and athleticism doesn't quite have, but that should be a good battle. And then Denzel Okafor, who look, he's been in the program. He's got He's he's got starts under his belt, and and he could play right tackle. He could play right guard because you've also got guys like Christian Jones, Reese Moore, and I do think they want to keep Tyler Johnson over on the left side behind Sam Cosme as the heir apparent to Sam Cosme. But if Tyler Johnson's just blowing people away and he's far and away. Uh, more effective than a guy like Christian Jones or Reese Moore or Denzel Ogafor, he could take that right tackle position. And then you've got a three-man battle, probably. Um, maybe even four if you put Isaiah Hookfin in there uh, between you know Tope Amade, Willie Tyler, Denzel Ogafor, and Isaiah Hookfin. So that's a great question, Pekinar46. Those are the names to keep an eye on. I know you want a starter for the LSU game. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I, I can't predict it out of there, but if you poured truth serum in the coaching staff, they would probably love it if Willie Tyler just exploded and took over that right guard position and uh, either Denzel Okafor or Christian Jones took over that right tackle position. So, so Chip, great. I'm curious for, for you on this. So um, from your you know standpoint of watching the offensive lineman hearing, who do you think of those guys has the most um, upside? Well, I think that um, there's no, you know, there's nothing like experience. And so when, you know, I look at Denzel Okafor, I think he's got to be in there somewhere. I mean, that it would be a big disappointment if he wasn't. But well, I think the guy, yeah. I think the guy with the upside is Willie Tyler. I mean, from talking to the, you know, people tied into the team. They just think he is a freak athletically. They're getting his lower body strength right. And they they just think this guy could be something. And I, I'm not going to go Desmond Harrison here because we never saw that guy. <laughs> I mean, that's like the kiss of death, you know? Yeah, no, oh, for this sure. this guy could be the next. Ad- no, don't say it. Don't say it. No, Desmond yeah, Harrison. like keep that, keep that out never of your played. Path. Filthy. <laughs> but he, but he somehow made it to the NFL and started for the Cleveland Browns. It's amazing. It's craziest <laughs> recruitment, development, disappearing act I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but 
Willie Tyler, I think of, of all those guys, you know, has the most upside just because he, the dimensions are, are wow. You know, those they're NFL dimensions. Right. Well, that's good to hear. I like to hear your opinion on that. So, yeah. uh, those are taken R42. <laughs> Thank you yeah, for taking R46, baby. 46. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, um, uh, and thanks to, <laughs> well, thanks to Taylor for coming up with the, with the questions for, uh, the flagship podcast, tell your friends and enemies to download the friendship pot, the friendship, the <laughs> flagship podcast. We are a friendship. Podcast. We are friends. We up are the multiple friends that anyone can have. <laughs> Oh my God! That's hey, Tom Herman would be laughing at that. He he loves him some, uh, you know. Hangover. Oh yeah, Hangover, baby. Uh, I mean, and Step Brothers. He loves those movies. Yeah. Who doesn't? Tommy Boy. Um. All right. So, thanks to Taylor Estes for the question idea for the flagship podcast. Thanks to to Bobby, uh, the Godfather, for his his thoughts on. Uh, the 2020 signing class, as well as the the coaching staff now completed, and what expectations should be, um, you know, should be realistic. I, I mean, this this has got to be a Big 12 title contending team. Period. That that's the expectation. So, no matter how yeah. many new coaches are rolling in here, Taylor, that's what is on the roster. So it's now on these coaches, whether they're new or not to get this team into Big 12 title contention. If it's not, it will be a disappointment, period. Yeah, oh. now or never, never, basically. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you got a senior quarterback. You got offensive and defensive line experience. You got corners who are experienced. It's go time. Um, and then, thanks to, of course, Derek Johnson, DJ, Buckus Award winner, Nagurski Award winner, all-time leading tackler for the Kansas City Chiefs. What, a, what an amazing week in Kansas City. How about that parade? Started off with a with a car breaking into the <laughs> to the parade route and getting you know surrounded by officers with their guns drawn. A guy falling out of a out of a tree with his pants falling off, <laughs> and then everything was fine. So Patrick Mahomes taking a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin type of maneuver and you know chugging the beer. I like oh yeah, that. Or light. <laughs> pour it from a double decker bus down to. Into Travis Kelsey's mouth. Oh, that was amazing. I mean, it's like, how do you not like these guys? You know? Oh, yeah. And then Travis Kelsey getting up there and saying, 21 years. It's been 21 years. Andy Reid's been churning, baby. (laughs) And now he's got the Vince Lombardi trophy. Woo! (laughs) All right, there you go. We need to to wrap this up. Um, But hey, (laughs) thanks to everybody. Tell your friends and enemies to listen to the flagship podcast. This is where the fun. Longhorns hang out. Uh, thanks to Taylor, and we'll we'll talk to you next week.